Hello, and welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton with the Ontic Center for Connected Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of safety, security, and protection through conversations with leaders in the field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, here today with Barry Conlon, the CEO and founder of Overhaul, the global leader in in-transit risk management and visibility solutions. Barry has over 30 years of experience in supply chain security and is widely recognized as one of the pioneers of modern-day supply chain security standards and best practices. Barry's extensive background in security operations is rooted in his 11-year tenure with the Irish Defense Forces, the Irish Special Operations Unit, and Army Ranger Wing. Barry, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Delighted to be here, Fred. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, it's certainly my pleasure, Barry. I can think of nobody that understands this space uh, better than you. And for the benefit for our listeners, uh, how the heck did you get into a career in security? Yeah, I suppose my first career was in the military, you know, straight out of high school. You can probably tell from my accent, I'm, I'm, I'm not from where I live currently in Austin, Texas. I'm not from these parts, as they say. <laughs> uh, I was born and raised in Ireland, and um, I, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to join the military. I got selected early to a special operation tier one unit, spent about 10 years kicking doors um, all around the world. And a lot of it was to do, believe it or not, with UN peacekeeping missions that had a lot to do, like probably one of the closest ones I've, I, I was, I spent seven months there was, it was in Mogadishu in the early nineties, like during mm. that Black Hawk down incident. I, our, our mission was to make sure that the logistics professionals from our military were kept safe from a lot of these bad guys who, who wanted to steal the, the, the food and, actually caused a famine. So that got me first my first exposure to supply chain, which in the military, as you know, is a is a, a very strategic operation. And um, you know, I I decided that it was after 12 years in the military, it was time to get out and test my skill set in the corporate world. And it led me to found my first company and with a couple of other buddies called Freightwatch, which we grew globally. It's kind of where I first met you, Fred, in the early days of 2000s in in, in Dell, you remember. Uh, I sold that to a Fortune 50 about 2012. Funny, funny enough, I ended up buying it back again uh, in February of last year. And uh, I built Overhaul, which is a supply chain risk management company that protects our customers' supply chains, provides visibility and provides them with an opportunity to know when something has gone wrong. More importantly, we're, we're in a position based on our infrastructure to actually fix problems and report results. So, uh, yeah, still enjoying the 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 chase as they say and uh you know delighted to be here today to share some of my 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 experiences barry uh, we have a lot of guests in our podcast in our industry that um have certainly transitioned out of the government or in the military and as you look at uh your experience serving in the irish military and the irish special operations arena how has that influenced your career and leadership style oh it meant everything. I think most, and you do, you're right. You do see a lot of people from 
the various tier one, tier one, tier two, tier three units, um, you know, guys that have served in kind of like you have, Fred, at very senior levels of, you know, the intelligence services that, you know, it's foundational. Like, you know, I'm, I've never, never went to college, but I served 12 years in, in, you know, a very high performing, very kind of results driven organization that, you know, you survive by being a stream, you know, and being able to deal with that kind of, you know, okay, yeah, maybe someone's not shooting at you like it used to be, but at the same time, your competitors are firing at you all the time. And you just learn, you know, foundationally what it, what it takes to survive. Very, very similar environments uh, in, in, in business that you would experience in, in kind of that arena that we used to serve in. And, and you know, if you take those lessons learned, and they absolutely are applicable to civilian life. And um, I'm, I've been lucky enough to say that, yeah, I never went to college, I never went to business school, but I've grown you know, two, two businesses that I, I, I was involved in the, the get-go and I apply lessons that I learned in the team and it served me well. And uh, most importantly, the, the core principles of what it means to be in first world, you know, democracy, military, which is, you know, that expectation that you hold yourself to, to be at the top of your game and always be ready, be prepared. And, um, you know, you know, never let a, we all know the old stories about someone says, you know, it, your plan survives, doesn't survive first contact with the enemy or what's the other one, the, the first punch in the chin. And that's very true. Like, and the ability to adapt and kind of pivot, uh, stay alive uh, is something that, you know, in businesses, particularly as, as it relates to the startup world, it's so difficult to succeed. And you only succeed if you're, you're listening to what the situation is telling you, not what you believe it should be, which is unfortunately the, the, the graveyard of most startups is that people can't uh, adapt and, uh, you know, meld their, their their current thinking into what the market is telling them and, and go there and be successful because you're providing a solution to a problem and you're smart enough to actually spot that and, and double down on what's working and, and, and let go of what's not. That that takes a real mindset that, you know, in the military, you know, you're 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 dealing the enemy never plays ball, you know, and you're you're <laughs> gonna get you're gonna get curveballs. And if you're not ready to kind of you know adapt and change for that. You, you don't survive. And they're, they're the kind of fundamentals I learned in my, my, my business career, which is now way surpassed my, my military career. But every day, what I learned in the military is put to play. And uh, I'm just so thankful that not only did I have that experience, but it was so valuable to me. And anybody who's listening who's thinking about it, and you're getting an opportunity to go and serve in any of these great units that we have in the States, you know, whether it's military or civilian, um, you should take it because it's foundational and will be always foundational in, in your life as you go forward. Yeah, that's very well said, uh, Barry. I really appreciate you sharing that uh, wisdom and sage counsel to those interested in, in doing what you have been so, so successful in doing. And when you look at overhaul, Barry, I'm I'm very familiar with how you go about doing your work. Explain to our audience how you go about doing that uh, and give give our listeners a sense of your global capabilities. Sure. So logistics, for those of you not kind of versed in, in what it actually means for, you know, the customers we typically serve are like high-end shippers. By shippers, I mean customer, like where I first met Fred Burton, like Dell, Microsoft, Google. Um, all customers of ours, they, they have these vast global supply chains where, you know, what you're really at, being asked to do as a supply chain professional is effectively manage chaos. You know, there's so much uh, challenging situations you can imagine in a multimodal environment where you're going from road 
to sea, air, back to road again, rail. There's so many different modes of transportation. There's a lot of stop starts and, you know, freight at rest is freight at risk. What we do in overhaul is we provide that connected visibility worlds to our customers where literally we, we connect all available technologies that already exist out there, like telematic systems, you know, like, you know, maybe kind of remote terminals or, or, or even iPhones. Um, we, we take the information that's freely available, such as AIS systems that give you kind of maritime information, flight aware details. And we mesh all that together for our customers. And when there's gaps, we add IoT. It might be a customer who required, IoT stands for Internet of Things. So it's basically a sensor. We, we would install and provide vital information like temperature, for example. But we bring that all into one pane of glass. We call it our, you know, our, our, our risk management platform. And what that allows the customer to do is, because it's built on a rules engine, they can set the tolerance for compliance. And compliance is a very, very important world. When in, in supply chain, you're relying on partnerships with lots of different vendors. And they, in turn, have their own partnerships with lots of different vendors that you're not contracted to, but yet are going to have charge of your freight at some point in time. So in that kind of mismatched kind of patchwork quilt world of, of supply chain where it's, it's, you hope it's moving, but it may not be, you hope it's not being touched, which it may be, and you really hope it's not in non-compliance that might lead to a, some kind of damage or claim. So in overhaul, we have that rules engine platform that actually allows our infrastructure, and by infrastructure, I mean our, 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 our watchtowers, our fusion centers, which we have around the world. We've got one in Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil, uh, another one in Mexico, uh, uh, Mexico City in Mexico. We've got uh, one in Austin, Texas, which is primarily for global response and law enforcement liaison. And we've also got one in Prague. Uh, we've got some support operations in, in Dundalk in, in, in Ireland. So with that kind of global footprint, we're, we have what we call watch officers, and we've got AI tech that's looking at all of these different inputs that particularly kind of trigger on a non-compliance event. So to give you an example, freight stops where it shouldn't stop. It's going in the wrong direction. It's getting hot. It should be cold or vice versa. Uh, or, or, you know, there is some kind of, you know, existential threat, like a, a very, very dangerous part of the world where... We know bad things are happening all the time, so we call those red zones. So we, we're aware of the current status of the freight, and our platform is designed that when there's a non-compliance event, whoever is responsible for it, that's like step two, we get flagged as it's a push in our system, so we know, okay, there's a problem. So knowing there's a problem allows us then to lean in, identify who actually has the product that, that might not be the contracted party. Like if it's a large freight forwarder, it could be a sub subcontractor, but it's in Serbia, right? So there's a language difficulty straight off. But we have that ability built into our platform that we can communicate and we can quickly issue a corrective action. So the, the, the insights we're receiving are non-conformance. So we can quickly fix that, get it back into a kind of base state, kind of normalized, everything's going as according to plan, and then problems go away. So it's all about avoidance rather than cleanup. But in, in most cases, we rely on cooperation from these partners, like particularly the, the individual who, who has custody of the asset. These could be very, very valuable assets, if you, if you can imagine, like millions of dollars worth of equipment, uh, pharmaceuticals, you know, even, even some federal equipment that they're more worried about people putting stuff in rather than taking it out. Sure. Um, so we're in a position to actually lean in. And then when we know that there's no resolution coming, we've got technology that connects us to global law enforcement. And that allows us then to 
provide a package, a data, a digital package to the nearest law enforcement entity. We're, we're already validated. They know it's us. Uh, and that we would not be sending them this data unless there was a real issue. So it's about dropping a data package onto the cop who's five miles ahead of the stolen load, who now has all the information like descriptions, unique identifiers, all the stuff he needs to be successful or she needs to be successful. And effectively, you're, you're recovering quickly. We do probably three to four of them a day globally. Wow. But it used to be one a week. It's exploding, Fred. I've never seen it as busy as it is now because supply chains are interesting. COVID changed everybody's attitude to buying online. And now even ingestible pharmaceuticals, which you would never buy online unless you got them from a validated pharmacy. People are regularly ordering these things and the criminals are quick to respond. They realize that supply and demand. They're really good at logistics themselves. And what do they do? They, they're in there, they're, 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 they're jacking a load and they're, they're selling it quickly in its factory wrapping. I put in inverted commas, uh, which effectively says to us when we look at all these different sites, they buy them on uh, or, the, or the consumers buy them on. They're all fed with illicit material. And that has led to, in some cases, deaths when people have actually taken tainted product that hasn't been kept in the conditions it needs to be kept in. Part of what we monitor for is that compliance with government regulations like FDA. But all of that into one package, we call it the single pane of glass. You can see your global supply chain. That's an eye candy picture, Fred, but you know as well as I do, what we're looking for is the problems. And we want to lean in and fix them. And that's really what our tools are designed to do. And I suppose what makes overhaul different from other visibility players who are very SaaS oriented, we have the infrastructure to actually fix, not just report. We like, to, we like to report solutions that have already been enacted and there isn't a problem. And that's where my customers, the chief supply chain people in these really large global entities say to me, look, I just sleep better when I know overhauls on the inside. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, the complexity of just protecting the global supply chain. You know, as we know, Barry, you know, manufacturers face many unique challenges from protecting their facilities and operations to just general disruptions. And you touched on it briefly, but you really have your finger on the pulse when it comes to trends. And what are you seeing when it comes to trending in the security space for supply chains? You know, what are the threats that you're seeing uh, currently? And perhaps what are some of the threats that you're looking at that are over the horizon that people aren't thinking about? Yeah, look, what's really changed in the last couple of years, I mentioned COVID. COVID was just, you know, a 24-month condition where everybody kind of adjusted their life to suit the fact that, you know, you got to you got to bunker down, you got to make sure that, you know, protecting your family, the world basically went into, you know, a batten down hatch mode. Um, but that changed our, our behaviors. And behavioral change, as you know, in supply and demand, especially in relation to criminal fraternities, they are incredibly, incredibly entrepreneurial when it comes to figuring out a problem. Because, you know, we battle with these organized and, and the less organized elements that are located globally that, you know, if you can imagine you go into a bank and you try to kind of hold up with a gun, especially you do a place like Texas where, you know, a lot of people are carrying. Right. You, you know, there's cash limits on drawers. There's die packs and what you do get away with. Like, you, you know, at best, I think the average the FBI would say is about ten to $15,000 in a successful bank heist. You can walk into a truck stop there might be 200, 300 trucks parked there. You know, very, I'd be shocked if, you know, less than 10% are less than 100,000 in value. A lot of them are going to be multiple millions in value. 
and they've got literally no protection. The truck's running because drivers like to keep their cabs cool or, or, or warm, depending on where they are, time of year. Uh, it costs them money to turn off that tractor trailer. I have never seen a truck alarm in my 30 years experience in this industry, particularly in my last 23 years in North America. Um, never seen a truck alarm. And you're, you're blessed if a, if a truck driver actually locks the door. Wow. So, you know, you're literally stepping into a, you know, a running vehicle. And if you, you know, you can drive, you've got a, a capacity to drive a, you know, a, a commercial vehicle. You're, you're driving away with millions of dollars. And they, they don't do it as random, although some do as random, randomly as that. A lot of them would, would use their techniques to actually identify what it is they're stealing by following it from source. You know, the, the usual surveillance methods thread. You, you, we know these guys have been using for years. They, so they can target. They target based on identifiers like seals. Certain type of seal is used for a higher value load. You know, they don't, most businesses don't practice security through obscurity. They actually help the bad guy uh, identify where to go to, to be successful. And, and unfortunately, it's like literally the old cliche of taking candy from a baby. It's, it's incredible. And that's happening every day. In places like Mexico, it's not necessarily theft like we, we deal with in North America. It's also hijacked there. And, you know, we've had one of our operators in the last two weeks was actually wounded in the leg because he didn't hand over a, a load that the, the, the criminals decided this is the location and the time that we're going to take this product. So you have that in different areas of the world where hijacked, like in Brazil, is, is, is a much bigger problem. And again, different solutions, different layered solutions have to be applied for that. But back to your MO question is we, we've seen the fact that there's so many more buyers willing to buy online, not going to question something that looks legitimate when they, when they log on to, to kind of shop around. And that's caused an explosion in demand. And that's being met by these criminals who realize that, you know, I risk death and, you know, many, many years in prison for a federal crime like, like bank robbery, and I might get 15,000. If I steal a million dollars, I'm going to get 10 or 15% on the dollar. So that's, that's a win. And even if I'm stopped by a cop, it's considered a, a property crime. Right. If I go next door to a different state, they cannot pursue me. That's the FBI's job, and they don't have resources in, in cargo crime, because again, it's property crime, it's not terrorism or, or, or major crime, and uh, they're not measured on it. So effectively, I have no downside. So why wouldn't I go after this higher reward with less risk? Um, and that's, a, that's happening and exploding all over the world, but driven by demand, just like drugs is driven by demand, that it's going to be, it's going to be filled by, by nefarious means, whether we like it or not. And our job is to make sure that our customers that are operating globally in these very, very different but difficult environments, it's, it's seamless from end to end to make sure that we can, you know, protect that freight as it's moving through the supply chain and effectively just tweak it. Most exposures in, in supply chain are, are we call unwitting exposures. They're like, you didn't know what you were doing and you just created an exposure that's going to be exploited. Like, like I said, we call it freight at rest is freight at risk. And, you know, we're in a position to actually make sure that you're not as exposed by helping you by sharing information, by communication, and just helping you kind of reinforce your livelihood by not being a victim to, to cargo crime, which is a massive global problem. So that's how we do it. We, you know, it's a partnership with the drivers who have the hardest job in the world uh, and our customers. Uh, you know, we're, we're currently at this, just give you a kind of a scale, Fred. We probably have about 1.3 trillion dollars in cargo value on our platform at any one time oh my 
and and we're, we operate at you know one of the measuring sticks that people use to see how much damage or, or loss occurs in supply chain is a thing called a loss ratio. It, it's to do with your insurance program and standard average where you're doing really well as it relates to claims is about 40, 50%. You know, if you're an insurance company and you're, that's your loss ratio, you're doing really well. We're operating at about six to 7%. Wow. So it's really, it really works. Like when you're, when overhauls on the inside, good things happen. You know, your, your, your supply chain speeds up, your, your, your loss and damage goes down. And that's a, a happy customer when, when they have that experience. Barry, uh, this has been so enlightening to, to chat about this. And I, I know our listeners uh, uh, probably are going to have a lot of questions. What's the best way for them to reach out to you or to get in touch with uh, Overhaul? Well, probably by email, all method I know. But um, yeah, send, send me an email, barry.condon at over-hall.com. Uh, always happy to you know log on to our website. It's the same, www.over-hall.com. Uh, you know, you can get a lot of information there. We can get, you know, set up some online demos for you to actually see, you know, what it is, what we do and how we do it. And, um, you know, we can go from there, but yeah, it's a, it, there's a lot of risk out there, which allows OnTick and Overhaul to be successful, but it's, it's more important about how, what you do and what benefits you get in your, in your preventive strategies. You just don't want to have to deal with the problem in the first place, make, make it go away. And that's, that's all about intelligence and being being forearmed, right, Fred? It's 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 what it's all about. It really is, uh, Barry. I want to thank you for being on the OnTick Protective Intelligence Podcast today. My pleasure, Fred. Anytime. It's good to see you, my friend. Good to hear your voice. This episode was brought to you by the OnTick Center for Connected Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monteverdi Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novus. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcasts at ontic.co or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. Thanks for listening.